This conversation is brought to you in part by Calavo Growers, the family of fresh. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon, wherever you are. I'm really glad you're here hanging out with us today. I'm excited about our show. I'm excited about this topic. I'm very excited about the guest that I invited on here today to share with you. Uh, I've been asked a few times to talk about water, and I've kind of contemplated how I want to do it and what do I want to talk about. And um, I'm excited about the shows that are coming and things we're going to be talking about water. But I thought this was the right person and uh, to start with to get this conversation rolling. And I'm thrilled to death she's taken time out of her very, very busy day uh, to hang out with me today and share with you a little bit about water in the state of California and give you all maybe a little insight as to what the reality is about the water in the state of California and a little bit of quirky fun about the state itself. So please, everyone, welcome the CEO and editor of SJVwater.org, Lois Henry. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm fabulous. I'm thrilled you're here with me today. I really am. I'm excited to talk about water. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it's a it's a select and a very strange group of people. Um, when uh, water reporters get together, it is a it's an addiction. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to stop myself when I'm at gatherings. Not that I go to gatherings anymore these days. I don't know, but. Um, you know, people ask what I do. I'm a water reporter. Oh, what's that like? And I, if I get onto a topic, forget it. You know, I can't. <laughs> well, we're going to get onto some topics today. Before we get going, though, if you wouldn't mind, can you just tell everybody a little bit, you know, your kind of journey in bio and, and, and your background and touch and who you are. And, and then I'm going to get into heading down this, uh, heading down, I was going to say heading down this path, but I think we're going to head down the river. That's what I'm going to go with today. Oh, yes. Very good. All right. Well, um, I was raised in Fresno on a ranch. East Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> yep, yep. And I went to Fresno State. So I'm a bulldog and uh, graduated with a degree in journalism in 1989. All right. Yeah. So long ago. Anyway. Um, and I worked my way through college. Uh, didn't get a student loan. So sucks for you. So nothing, nothing to be forgiven by the government for me. Plus those strange telemarketers who constantly call about my student loans are barking up the wrong tree. But anyway, um, I did work my way through college uh, doing cops and obits uh, on the overnight shift at the Fresno B. So um, got to learn. And I love doing obits, by the way. It's one of the ways that you can really learn to um, understand the history of your community there. I like to think of them as little history Clip. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and here's another little tidbit. If you ever find yourself having to do an obit on a stranger, uh, people will talk to you. It's not, they, because the death of their loved one, you know, is kind of sensitive within the family yeah. and they might want to really talk, but they don't feel comfortable sometimes. And so that sort of, um, sometimes I've had a bit, you know, like, okay, you know, it's been an hour. I've got to go. I've got to write this. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway. So I love doing obits because you got to meet a lot of people and they were very happy to talk, you know, about their life. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's cool. So I did that one when I was in college and then I, um, got a job at the Bakersfield Californian, uh, a little while after college, I I I did a couple things after college. I guess what is it? They call this year the gap years. The gap year. Yeah, yeah I went to I went to New Zealand and hung out. But anyway, it's a whole different story. Um, 
And so I got the job at the Bakersfield, Californian, and I was uh, covering, um, we, it used to be, they don't have many more because it's the IRS frowns on this, but they used to do correspondence where you got paid by the story and you covered a geographic area. And my geographic yeah. area was Eastern Kern County. So I covered Edwards Air Force Base, China Lake Naval Weapons Center and the Mojave Flight, um, uh, it's now the Space Center. Flight, but it's flight Port, flight, Air Flight it, Port, whatever, yeah, whatever they call it. It used to be the Flight Test Center, but now it's Space thing. Anyway. So I got to um, ride with the Blue Angels and do a couple other fun things out there. And then anyway, so I, they hired me full time at the Bakersfield, Californian, and I, I've worked there my entire career. I was a reporter that covered, you know, everything, state, county, city, government. I covered the oil industry, and then um, I became an editor for 10 years. Man, I ended up... Um, pretty high up managing, you know, like 90 people when they used to have 90 people in the newsroom, wanted to stab myself in the eye with an ice pick because managing people is the worst job ever on the planet. Um, <laughs> I, I realized, oh my God, I am a model employee. I don't go to people and say, I hate this person who sits next to me because they eat stinky sandwiches. Can you do something about it? I mean, yeah. what? <laughs> anyway, so I convinced my bosses to let me write a column twice a week. And um, it became sort of an investigative column. So I did that for 10 years and it became very, very famous, very, very popular or unpopular, depending on, you know, your side. I, of, yeah, whatever. Yeah, who I was skewering. And then um, I quit in 2017 and I started SJVwater.org because I always, I, I, I wanted to write a lot more about water. I recognized that it was just a huge, huge issue in our in our community. And it, and it was the underpinning of all of our economic drivers in this valley um, and my bosses, they took a different view of water. <laughs> they thought it was boring, that people didn't care about it unless their taps went dry. And I thought, well, that's true. But, you know, so, you know, people don't really care about banking and banking's complicated. And, you know, yeah. unless their checkbook, unless they can't write a check, then they, quote, don't care. But they they want to know this stuff anyway. So started SJV Water. It's a nonprofit. Um, so I do uh, basically survive on voluntary subscriptions and some grant funding. And mm -hmm. uh, people always ask me how it's going and it is very popular. I don't have a lot of money. I haven't figured out the grant thing. I'm an editor and I'm a writer and I'm a reporter, but I am um, not a grant writer, <laughs> not a grant writer. So that's, that's been a little bit difficult, but it's incredibly popular. From what I understand, the governor's office is reading it quite you know, regularly yeah. because I'm, I'm focusing on the San Joaquin Valley, not the Delta and not the Colorado river, which are very important. And right. they have an impact on us here in San Joaquin Valley, but the decisions made every day at the meeting level on the groundwater agency, the water district agencies, the cities, the local, the local decisions um, have it, have an impact too. And people don't cover it. People don't know what's going on. So that was my, that was my goal. I there love it. Go. Yeah. And Sorry, history, long and rambling. No, no, not at all. It's absolutely fantastic. And I think it's it you you literally summed up exactly why I reached out to you and thought this is where I want to start a conversation on my platform about water. I, that's why I said this this you were the perfect person to get this ball rolling because of the perspective that you're going to be able to bring to the topic and I think it's going to be important that people understand it. So with no further ado, I I'd, I'd like to get rolling on this thing and and, I, and I'm going to start off a little bit just by kind of framing up some of my thoughts and some ideas that that have come to me. And then we're kind of rolling to some questions, see where it takes us, see if we get in trouble, don't get in trouble, really don't give a shit if we do. But, um, you know, 
a long, long time ago, and, I, and I, in a galaxy far, far away, California's water system was state-of-the-art, right? I mean, it's what propelled the state literally into greatness. I mean, the system fueled a massive economic boom. Um, we achieved prosperity um, that was unheard of in modern times, but the lack of attention to the infrastructure uh, threatens this economy. There's no two ways about it. Um, if managed properly, I think that we get enough rain based upon what scientists and what people say, we get enough rain uh, or precipitation rather in the form of rain and snow that could serve our 40 million residents and the 4 million acres of farmland during hard times. But, you know, lack of rain and climate change is the narrative that I think everybody leans into, right? That's the big buzzwords, especially climate change is a big buzzword. The real story, I think, and what I want to talk about today is that we have failed to prevent, you know, to prepare and provide a functioning water system that's growing with this population, plain and simple. Um, obviously, problems about an, you know, antiquated infrastructure and a huge amount of water that runs straight into the ocean, right? I, I, that's obviously a big part of it. And I'll be the first person, you know, my tenure and career has been about organic agriculture, better agriculture, whatever you want to say. Um, I'm not a climate denier. I'm none of that. I get it. I, but, but the earth has been doing a lot of crazy things for a lot of millions of years and it's going to continue to do stuff. We can only guess what the earth is going to do next based off what we think the earth did in the past. So I think there is a part of that, that climate is a part of it. But I also think that there is common sense part of this that we need to start to apply to these solutions. And I also think our solutions need to work in harmony with mother nature. So I want to get that on the table. So nobody starts writing me a bunch of bullshit that I'm this or that, because it's not the case. And I'm happy to defend my position at any time, but our global population growth is not going to stop as much as we don't talk enough about the fact that it's not no different than how we're going to feed 9.8 billion people by 2050. Right? So I think that, you know, I think that sometimes we forget the overarching theme of this scenario. So with that being said, my first question after my diatribe of rambling here to you is, is just tell me how bad is the water situation in California? Thanks for joining the Toddversation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Toddversations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. Whether it's our farm-fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh-cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. Okay. Well, that's not a small question. Um, no. Let me, let me just preface that this by answer, which will probably be long and rambling, by saying... Go! My years of covering water have led me to understand there is no such thing as water in California in a large picture. There's water in, in region. You, you have to understand water regionally right. to really understand because the, the solutions for water regionally in Kern County are going to be, and in fact, in parts of Kern County are going to be different. 
than in, you know, um, Stanislaus County. Sure. So, because of the, the nature of, as you sort of talked about, the nature of infrastructure that we already have and the nature of how um, our, our precipitation comes in and how it's typically stored and how that's changing because of climate change, whether you think that climate change is happening because of, you know, man-made or, or just because climate changes or we're exacerbating it. I don't want to get into that. Climate does change and we are seeing a change in climate and we have not adjusted. We, we haven't, you're, you're correct. We have not kept up our infrastructure, but we've also not adapted our infrastructure. We're so busy arguing over things like fish versus farms, which is kind of a misnomer, I think, but we're so busy arguing over that, that we're not, we're not getting to the business that we need to get to. And that is to adjust how we do things right now. Our infrastructure is set up so that, um, the Sierras are our freezer, which, you know, stores our water for, you know, months on end. And then mm -hmm. we expect it to dribble down into our reservoirs. And then those reservoirs hold on to it for irrigation and for drinking water. But, you know, the, the, the vast majority of quote developed water is used for by agriculture. About 80% is the, you know, is the, is the number. Right. Climate change. It means, it doesn't mean we're not going to get any more rain, you know, and, and people are saying, you know, and these studies are so preliminary and they're always, you know, they're always sort of couched and could be and related to and possibly and all that kind of stuff. So it's really hard to say what's really going to happen. But what we have been seeing happening in the past is that we go through these intense periods of dryness and then we'll have like just a deluge. When we get a pineapple express, we get a pineapple express and we are seeing over the, over time that the, um, the snow level is retreating. It's going up higher. We're getting more warm storms all at once. And they're coming in a sort of a different seasonal variation. They're not all coming between November and February. They're coming sometimes late in the spring. And so we're getting a lot of more water than we are getting snow. And so the, it, we don't have the infrastructure to hold on to that water and then use it as needed and move it around. We just don't. Our reservoirs regardless of how they're being used, I mean, regardless of fish versus farms and everything, we just don't have the infrastructure to hold on to that and move it to where we need it to go. And um, the infrastructure we do have is, has, has been damaged, has been allowed to sink because of ground over groundwater pumping. And there's a big argument to be made that groundwater wouldn't be pumped so hard if we could still get water as out of the Sacramento Delta, um, which we can't do anymore because of environmental reasons. There's an argument to be made for all that stuff. There's an also, also an argument to be made for the fact that we've way overdeveloped farmland in, um, in, in hard crops, um, mostly almond trees, but pistachios and, and grapes. And we've moved the farming into areas that really don't have their own groundwater, don't, mm -hmm. you know, really shouldn't have had all these arguments to be made. But if you just look at the infrastructure, we have really not done right by the infrastructure. And a lot of environmentalists I know have been sort of screaming that, you know, you need to do more, especially in the Valley. They love to wag their fingers at us. You know, you need to do more groundwater banking. Yes, absolutely. And Kern County is the king of groundwater banking, by the way. No yeah. county has more groundwater banking than we do. You cannot do groundwater banking unless you have the infrastructure to, again, move those massive storms that are coming Later in the year, they aren't coming as snow or the snow comes down just in a massive glut. 
if you can't use groundwater banking, that isn't, it's, it's a silly to even talk about unless you have the infrastructure to bring it down in dribbles in, in, in a controlled way. Anyway, so yeah, I don't know if I answered any of your questions. No, you absolutely, you a hundred percent did. And, and, and you, 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 you did. And I'm going to throw me at my next question because, and you talked about, you know, being a regional deal, you know, 75% approximately of the state's water originates in the Northern third of the state. So basically north of Sacramento, but nearly 80% of that water that we use goes to the southern two thirds of the state. So moving water. So we're, we're trying to move water over great distances. And it's definitely created intense regional rivalries. I mean, you could start from Colorado to Eureka to San Diego to, to you, you go anywhere, right? It is. It's like, in some ways, it's a modern day shootout at the OK Corral when it comes to that. I mean, it really is. It's, it's it, there's a lot of you know, it's in some ways it's like uh, WWE wrestling, man. There's a lot of guys jumping from the top of ropes and swinging chairs and all kinds of stuff. Can you expand a little bit about that and 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 some of that regional kind of discourse, perhaps? Well, I, you know, I think it was Wesley Powell who said that we shouldn't. Um, way back in the day, said we should not create states on these political geographic boundaries. We should have created them based on watershed boundaries, <laughs> then we wouldn't yeah. have this problem. Because if you look at California, it really should be maybe three states where you have like the Klamath and the North up there. And then you you have, you know, other areas. Sorry, my phone is just blowing up for some reason all of a sudden. Um, well, they know you're talking to me. <laughs> trying to figure out how to make these dings go away. Anyway, so uh, so we have a situation where we are taking water out of out of a watershed and moving it into out of a, a wet watershed and moving it into dry watersheds. And I don't necessarily think that's such a great idea. And it's so funny because this drought, as it's dragged on, you see more and more of these ideas, which are not new, by the way, about moving water, you know, that's flooding Houston or whatever and getting a pipe and moving it over here, dragging icebergs down from <laughs> you know wherever, right, right, right. moving it to, Cal to California and None of that stuff is new, by the way. Zero of that is new. It's, I've read stuff from the 30s and, this, and the 50s, and this, it comes up whenever we have a dry period. And I'm always like, well, that sounds like a really good idea, except that when you move one resource from, one, from, its, from its home to another uh, area where it's used, it just creates, as we have seen, you know, all of this rivalry and stuff. So there is, there are movements afoot in Kern County. Um, I mean, I hate to, I, I, I live in Kern County. I, right, I know. I'm not trying to tout their horn because they're so great because I could talk about a lot of stuff that Kern County has done. that's not so great, but the groundwater banking and trying to maximize its, its local regional supplies or to um, store and hoard essentially supplies that we get from elsewhere so that we can then, you know, sort of use those supplies that that seems like the way that we're all going to have to go. And there, um, there was uh, the well. That's, I don't know if you know the acronym Irwims. Irwims. No, tell me what is Irwims. Now I'm not going to be able to remember. It's it's this thing that was created uh, by the state where they give out grants. Uh, it's regional water management. Okay. So I'm not going to remember the this. Sorry. It's Irwims. Anyway, so you can get um, state grants for regional projects. And each area, you know, has its own Irwin's schedule or Irwimps anyway. Um, and I think that that's been a really smart way to go. And it's 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 kind of under the radar. It's not very well funded. It's kind of hard to get these things. But um, 
that grant funding has allowed and Kern County has gone after it ham hammer and tong and they've been able to that's how they've been able to afford to build all of this new groundwater banking and I mean like in 2017 which was our largest water year ever you know this water just came down like crazy and Kern the Kern River ran at I, I you know like 5000 percent or something I mean it was just huge, yeah, it, was huge. Right? it was huge not one drop of Kern River water left this county it was all shuttled out into these groundwater banks that have been built a lot largely through this Irwin's project and all these various other grants that people have been able to get. Not only that, Kern County took Kings River water and um, Thule River water and just stored it, you know, like just like mad squirrels putting the acorns away. So yeah. anyway, um, so I think we have to do more and more and more of that. We have to look at, okay, well, what are the what are the regional supplies that we can use and what what is that local sub-basin water basin doing what's the demand in that area should that be the demand i mean you look at tulare and kings counties um and the explosion of dairies and um and pasture and silage right. that was created that the need for that those are hugely water intensive now should should that be there? Is that the right area for that? Um, and if you start making people really live within their more regional um, supplies, you start making you you start having those decisions to be made. So I'm thinking that the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act is going to kind of push people in that direction. But we'll see. It's also creating. It's I think the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act is going to also create. Um, it's like a it, it's going to it's going to do the exact opposite of what I think a lot of the folks that push that together. they want to uh, support um, smaller farmers. And I think that that's going to be, uh, that's going to be the exact opposite of what's going to happen. And what we're seeing happening is the larger farmers, the corporate, corporate agribusiness, you know, which the environmentalists love to say is a horrible thing, but eh, you know, <laughs> ag is a business. Right. Um, but uh, I think that that, I think Sigma is going to push uh, if you're very, very wealthy and you have a lot of land, you're going to be able to withstand Sigma a lot easier than if you're a small farmer and you're relying on, you know, a, a patchwork. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I'm just, I'm just rambling. No, no, you're not rambling at all. You answered the question beautifully and it, and it, and it's taken us down. It's, it's great because you're taking us down a great trail of conversation. You know, and I did my research on this because I, again, I got into this trying to figure out you know, where, where's my head lie on this and what do I, what do I want to talk about? And what, what message do I want to get out there? And I started snooping around a little bit. You start talking about laws and things that are coming on the books. And this, this was just a trip. But I started looking around at, at uh, watereducation.org, I think it was. And they've got a timeline of California's water history. It's great. You can kind of understand what's going on. It's a quick snapshot, quick little snippets of stuff. But I found what I think was the first recorded lawsuit in California's history about water dating back to 1884. And I have to bring this up. I'm bringing a couple of things up, too, before I frame up this next question. But in 1884, the Federal Circuit Court decision in Woodruff versus North Bloomfield. Love this requires the termination of hydraulic mining debris being discharged into California rivers. 1884, we started the conversation about putting shit into the rivers, and we're still having a conversation about waste and things that we're doing in 2022. Blew my mind. I'm thinking, really? 1884, we started the conversation? We still can't get it right yet? Yeah. So, I got, so you'll love this. So I got digging a little bit deeper about some laws in California. And I'm gonna, I've got to throw these out there because it frames up where I want to go next. Let's see if you know this. Did you know? That it's illegal to drive a vehicle while wearing a house coat? I did not. No, you didn't know that. Well, just so you know, don't get in, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble. In San Francisco, if a person's classified as ugly, they're not, it's not legal for them to walk down the street. I swear I to God. I think that should be everywhere. 
Well, no doubt about that. It's a, I love this one. It's against the law to move in or to jump in and out of a moving vehicle. Yeah, right? But it's Wait, also- Okay, but what if you have to push start your car, which I used question. to have to do all the time right. <laughs> with my old Volkswagen? <laughs> 100%. I can relate to that. I had to do it with mine too. But, but it's also in the city of Glendale, it's illegal to drive in reverse. Yeah. But my most favorite one, which I know you didn't know this, you're not going to know this one. This is by far my most favorite one. It is not legal to hunt for moths and a moth, M-O-T-H-S folks, M-O-T-H-S under a street lamp. So if you're moth hunting, yeah, if you're moth hunting, you can't do it under a street lamp because that's just wrong. Well, it's unfair. Well, it's totally unfair to the moth. I bring that up because I think it's important to kind of allow people to understand that we're spending a whole lot of time on issues that seem awfully silly when we have issues that are drastically affecting 40 million people, massive amount of business. California feeds the world, folks. We have a, we've taken on a huge responsibility. And I don't think that we're putting a lot of energy into solving some of this. You know, when I look at some of the things that we're doing, Lois, it's like we go to solve problems without the solutions to the problems. Right. You could take a look at this new deal with, with the cars. Right. We're going to be all electric cars by 2035. I want to know how five, 10,000 people pouring out of L.A., driving to Sacramento every day are all going to stop at the same 250 mile marker and charge their car. I want to know how it's going to go. I want to know how the truck drivers in 2035 are going to sit there and buy new electric trucks that we don't even have on the road getting down the, today. I get the whole thing. We need to solve these big problems, but we just start solving them by saying, here's the solution. Don't have, the inf don't have anything behind it. So I say all that to say this to you. In the last 25 years, California voters have approved $27 billion in bonds, in water bonds. Um, and I think what folks need to know in that same time frame, the state has not built really any significant new water storage or any conveyance systems uh, that would help our statewide water supply. Uh, the lack of action, despite voter approval and funding, uh, has elevated and I think has really created this perpetual state of drought that we're actually in in a lot of ways. Um, so whether you want to get into the climate thing or not, it's not necessarily rain and climate change's fault any longer. It's really ours. And so my question to you is, what does it say about this system in California and what we're dealing with, with all the bullshit I just threw at you right there? Well, you know, our, our system um, which is really uh, multiple systems kind of knitted together. We've got the federal system, which is the Central Valley uh, project, uh, which there's a northern half and there's a and there's a southern half. And this it, it, more people in this on your I don't know if they're more familiar with it. It, it, it basically is Millerton Lake out of Fresno and then on right. down here. So that's the the southern half. And then the the um, state water project, which brings, you know, it's, that's the California aqueduct, which you see on I-5. Um, that's the other system. Those are the two major systems. Um, they were actually built because our forebears were not idiots um, and drought is not new. They were actually built with the idea of being able to withstand three to five years of drought. That was the concept with the reservoirs and then, you know, the feeding them into the conveyance systems and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we don't seem to be able to, because uh, I, I was covering the 2012 to 2016 drought. And now we've got, you know, this, this three-year drought, we don't seem to be able to withstand three years. Um, in the previous drought, and by the way, I covered the 2009 drought and the 1992 drought, you know, it's like, right. 
these things are not, these things are not new. Um, as we have progressed, mm-hmm. we have been able to withstand fewer and fewer years back to back that are dry. And so obviously we need to relook at our infrastructure and, and what are we doing differently that than we had done before when the, these things were created in the 1930s and the 1960s, those two projects I listed out. And they were done with the idea that this was going to be able to convey water for three to five years, back to back dry years. So, right. you know, now <laughs> we've had, you know, epically dry years and, you know, this year, this last water year was terribly, terribly dry, but so was 2015. So it's not like this is, the, these aren't like, oh my gosh, breaking news seen this you know we've seen it we're 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 simply not reacting responsibly to what we're seeing changing in climate and and we're letting politics get in the way and we're you know i'm not saying you know turn on the pumps turn on the pumps turn on the pumps at the delta but we we just have to be able to farms versus versus fish is ridiculous right now in bakersfield in the, the city gets water off the river to put into its treatment facilities for drinking. And right now they're having to make deals for its, its treatment plan on the East because they're not getting enough water out of the current river. That is not politics. That is not, um, that is not farms versus fish. That's, that's a storage. That's a, that's a not react reacting appropriately to um, what we know is coming. These droughts. Population are- growth. Yeah, these droughts are not. In fact, I I just I'm getting a little tired of the word drought because it's not a drought. It is the regular cycle for California in the West. It right. is dry here, <laughs> and we want to we want to live like it's not dry. Or or as soon as we get rain, you know, or we see all this stuff about the mega storms and whatnot, <laughs> we want to act like it's all new and it's not. We, we it's not history. It's- if we look at the the cycle of uh, and the and the the records, we should be able to be smart enough to figure this out, and somehow we aren't. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no I agree. No, it, 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 no, you're not at all. And, and it's it is if it's like we're trying to mask the reality of the issue. We're trying to we're trying to say it's something. That's that's where my I, I think where I really found myself most frustrated when we when I started hearing climate, climate, climate. And granted, climate is an issue. Not I got it. I'm I'm, I'm on board. I love it. But it's not the it's not the true backbone of this problem. The backbone of the problem is, is that we just aren't, we're not prepared. We, you know, we're, we're going to battle with one bullet and that's it. And it's not working. You know, it, it, you, we just can't take one shot at this. You touched on something I want to come back around to a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, I just want to, because I think it's important to recognize that, you know, larger farms to your point, people with cash in their pocket, this and that, it's a different world for water, right? You look down in Los Angeles, you know, celebrities are being fined for excess water. They don't give a shit. They just, they're not going to have brown law. I mean, they're, they're not going to worry about it. So do you think that you're going to start to see agriculture consolidation? Perhaps you can start to see this, you know, in, it, or has it even started? You're going to start to see that it's going to affect maybe even the small farm in some ways. Cause you touched on it a little bit. I just like to come back around and, and see if you have any more you want to add to it. Yeah, it, it already is happening um, mm-hmm. quite extensively in some counties um, more so than in others. I mean, you have to remember the San Joaquin Valley. It, it, it's a fantastic, fantastic place. And people have come here from all over the world for generations to farm. And you've got these this wonderful diversity of crops and people and cultures. And it's just fabulous. But we've also had, you know, we've also been 
you know, James Ben, Ali Hagen and, and and Henry Miller, you know, massive farmers, you know, that, that had, you know, massive land all up and down and the wheat farms, you know, in the, in the early 1800s and stuff. So it's always been kind of a corporate area where people come and they just buy up massive amounts of land and then, and then farm and, and then sort of disappear. So it's not anything necessarily super new, but what we are seeing that I think is is going to be very interesting is that um, you're starting to see corporations that are buying up land for the water rights. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how this is regulated in the future, because the state is, the state now is also making um, noises louder and louder about wanting to do something about quote water rights um, and uh, Joaquin Esquivel, who is the head of the State Water Resources Control Board, um, has said numerous times, you can't regulate what you can't quantify. So they're starting already trying to figure out, like, you know, who has what rights and are these real wet water rights or are these uh, paper rights? And they're going, you know, pre-1914. And for your listeners, um, 1914 is a, is a pivotal year in the history of California water rights because, Prior to 1914, there was not a state board that doled out water rights. So if your great, great grandpa in 1886 put a mark on a tree and said, you know, I claim however much water in this river, you know, every year, then, you know, you got that water and the the state has nothing to say about it. The state just sort of has to go, okay, well, you know, I guess Todd has that water because his great, great grandpa put a mark on a tree. And after 1914, the state is in charge of doling out water rights. So that's why pre-1914 is big. But but the water board is looking at pre-1914 rights and they want to quantify all of that stuff because as Joaquin Esquivel says, you can't regulate something you can't quantify. So where are we going with this? We're going with regulation. Right. Um, and and there's also a, 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 move, a very strong movement afoot to um, have a lot more, quote, equity and justice in these water rights. Um, obviously the original owners of all this water, the Native American tribes were screwed out of their water rights. They don't really have a lot unless they've gone to court. Um, and there's more and more of them that are trying to go to court to get water rights. Anyway, so all of all of which is, I'm wondering how the state is going to respond to these corporations that are already, some of them are big farming corporations, the J.G. Boswell Company, the Wonderful Company, uh, the Sandridge Partners companies, those are the kind of the three biggies here in the San Joaquin Valley. They're already moving water and and storing water and doing stuff with water and maybe positioning themselves to sell it um, to maybe to cities that could afford to spend $2,000 an acre foot, which farming can't. That That right. seems to be the way that's going. But there are also other corporations you've never heard of, RRG, which is Renewable Resources Group. Um, that has like about 15 different LLCs and they're those different LLCs are buying into groundwater banking. They're creating their own groundwater banking and really testing the boundaries of how water rights are administered in these regional areas. Because the other thing I've read about um, is that some of the corporations will go in and buy uh, farmland, not recognizing that all the water in that area is owned by the water district. They don't have the ability to move it and sell it. It, it. It's all very, very patchwork. It's very regional. Anyway, sorry. So yeah, yeah. So that's what I see happening um, with some of the regulation is that it is pushing people into having to sell to corporations, and there are corporations out there just willing to pay you a 
ton of money to try and get your land for the water rights. So you're starting yeah. to see this corporatization, but is it corporatization of farming? I don't know. Maybe it's more corporatization for the resource that they can move and sell. Well, look, there, there's no there's no doubt that there's farmers that make more money selling their water off than there are planting a crop. That's where we are today. And that's dangerous, right? When you when you have, you know, yeah. you've got all these billions of people, plus the aliens are going to join us by 2050. I'm quite sure of that. You know, we're going to have a lot of people to feed. And we're not, again, because I believe this infrastructure is screwed up and the way that this thing is, it's like a bidding war. It's, it's just, you know, it, it's the odds just keep going up. When you make farming so expensive and difficult to do uh, and you leave somebody with only a few things that they can sell, if they have water, they could sell that or, you know, and it depends. They may not own it. It may be the district that owns it. You know, and there's there's also all these rules about groundwater. Most counties have rules against you know, being able to move native groundwater out of the county. So, you know, it's it's very complicated in California to do a quote water market. There's nothing that you could do on a large scale, I don't think. But as the state starts, like I said, it's just that all these different pieces are kind of moving yeah. at the same time. As the state starts trying to do something about water rights, I'm like, you know, that could have unintended consequences. It could create more of a market that a corporation would be able to buy into and manipulate as opposed to right now you have all these patchwork um, mm -hmm. rules. So so it's kind, you get kind of hung up if you're if you're not if you're not able to move the water. So it, it's just been really interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah, there's no two ways. I mean, that's the reason why I wanted to have this conversation along these lines, because I think people don't understand or not aware of the real truth behind California water and the real issues that are hand. Again, I got climate. We got like rain. Totally all fine. But there's so much more to that. That's that's the that I think that's the buzzword that kind of makes everything else kind of move along, but it's not really in some ways the truth of the matter, you know, and, and I want to talk a little bit about proposition one really quick back in 2014, which was um, provided $2.7 billion, right. For water storage, build facilities to help our state infrastructure. And eight years later, right today, not much, you know, much of that money remains unspent at this point. If the project would ever get going, it would, it would add to the state a million acre feet of water. And for those that don't know, that's 326,000 gallons is what one acre foot of water is approximately. Okay. So that could get us through a whole lot, especially some challenging years. There's no doubt about that. But we haven't even gone to Home Depot yet to buy a shovel <laughs> in a lot, in a lot of ways with this one. So, you know, I think back about that far, right? 2014. We've gone through multiple administrations. We you know and in a lot of ways we've not had great leadership when it comes to water. I said it, not you. So I don't really care who calls and wants to bitch me for saying that, but we haven't. So there's a disconnect, I think, sometimes between the people that are making the laws and they want to come up with a feel good or a sound bite versus the people that are trying to work and make something happen to feed people or to keep their families in business. How much, you know, I'm going to give you a two part question. How much of all this BS around water and these state issues are there? And, and do you kind of agree with what I framed up? Thanks for joining the Todd Versation. And now a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Nelia Alamo at Calavo. Thanks for listening to Todd Versations. At Calavo, we are the family of fresh. For almost 100 years, our passion has been bringing delicious and nutritious food to your table. From tasty, wholesome produce to our freshly prepared foods, Calavo is a global leader in the finest quality produce and a pioneer of healthy, fresh-cut fruits, vegetables, and prepared foods. 
Whether it's our farm fresh avocados, tomatoes, Hawaiian papayas, or chef-inspired solutions including fresh cut fruits, veggies, guacamole, and much more, Calavo takes pride in delivering our fabulously fresh products every day. It's our promise from our foodie family to yours. Check us out at Calavo.com and learn why we are excited about your fresh possibilities ahead. I'm going to start with uh, most politicians have zero idea what to do about water because everybody wants to create a fix. But as I started this conversation, there is no such thing in my mind, looking at this, there is no such thing as California water. It's how is water handled? I mean, it comes down to each individual district. Right. There's there's water storage districts which don't have um, water rights on a river. There's irrigation districts that have water rights that are different from um, uh, federal districts. You know, I mean, it, 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 it each individual district is working differently with different rules, different rights, and under different regulation and and with different resources. So. I, but people keep trying to do things like Sigma. Sigma is a Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, and I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that they needed to get, um, you know, we're over pumping our aquifers like crazy in in the San Joaquin Valley, and that needed to come into some sort of control. But it's this massive law <laughs> that I don't think really takes into consideration that even in you know one subbasin, the King's subbasin or the Thule subbasin, it, it, it's different from from place to place, and they, the state doesn't really have the, the personnel and and the expertise in the personnel to to be able to work on those things. I mean, it's almost like you need each individual area to really work on its own issues and and report up. It's just anyway, so it's it's just a it is a huge mess. And when you talk about prop one, <laughs> there is no storage being, but the only additional storage being built currently in the state of California that I know of is Lake success on the Thule river. And that's because the army Corps of engineers wanted to um, shore up the, the, the spillway. Right. And that's going to result in 20,000 acre feet of extra storage. But other than that, there is no, above ground storage being being constructed in in California as far as I know that right. and and certainly not and none of that was prop one money anyway that the, the right. Corps of Engineers did that with um, money from the river Fed. interest and right and money so so how much you know above and beyond agriculture how much water insecurity is there in the state of California uh for rural residents, there's a lot of water insecurity in the San Joaquin yeah. Valley in particular because um, it's sort of it's sort of a chicken and egg kind of a thing. The uh, supplies from the Delta, the San, the San Joaquin Delta, were cut off or they were reduced dramatically in 2006. Now, again, there, there, and I believe this, there is a strong argument to be made that we have we have massively increased our um, permanent crops. To the detriment of our supplies, we we over we overdeveloped our uh, our plantings and almonds and, and vines compared to our water supplies. But then on top of that, you have in 2006 there was a, a federal decision made about um, how much water could be pumped out of the delta, and that severely restricted the amount of water coming out of the delta. 
I can get into the weeds on this if you want to, but it really, really impacted Article 21 water. But anyway, <laughs> come back to that for a second. So that restricted that amount that, that that's being coming down the aqueduct and mm-hmm. the both both, you know, get water out of the delta and they both are subject to those biological restrictions up there. So that resulted in a lot of farmers and farming operations putting in a lot more and deeper wells to pump the groundwater. So, you you know, if you don't get the supplies and, and, and that's why these systems were created in the first place is because we were already pumping in the 20s too much water and, and we were, you know, the ground was sinking and all this kind of stuff. It's not unknown. Our forebears knew this was a problem and they knew that we needed um, surface supplies in order to keep our agriculture going. They didn't, of course, see that this huge glut in almonds, uh, you know, right. was going to happen, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so the groundwater has been pumped to the to the degree that rural residents, entire towns, East Porterville, um, Toolville, which is a tiny little town, Delray, all these little towns, they're they're they have shallow wells for their drinking water, and they have gone dry. So yeah. that is that is a huge water insecurity issue, and instead of people stepping back and saying, okay, why is this happening? And let's find a way to, to ameliorate this so that we don't constantly have to do this. It's like, okay, well, we, we implemented Sigma and that in 2040, that's going to take care of it. Well, there's a lot of green between now and 2040. And if you're a mom of three living in, Teveston and every summer you got to worry about the fact that you've got to get bottled water. It's a problem anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it goes to what I said earlier. We solve problems without the solutions to the problem, right? We throw, we throw, it's like, this is the, here's the big, here's the big problem we're going to solve, but we don't know how we're going to get to it. We just know that that's the end game and we leave everything behind. And I think water is exactly that same point to your point. Yes. That, that, that we haven't kept up with what the state is doing. And it's going to force it's going to force people to, to you know to, to to your point they have water insecurity crops aren't going to get watered I mean now we're you know we're we're putting monitors on everything and everywhere uh, it's going to be a real challenge for us to us to feed the world at the pace that we're going especially if we end up you know having more years that go dry and don't actually bring up water to it you know and well, and I look go ahead I, I think you're going to see a, a change um, in those permanent crop plantings. Um, and, and I think it's going to be driven by the wonderful company um, because they are the ones that have the most land. I mean, two, 300,000 acres in the valley. I'm not really sure even at this point, but and they are the ones that really push the pomegranates and pistachios and almonds and almonds. And I don't necessarily blame farmers for doing this because if I'm oh. a farmer and I have so much ground and, you know, wheat or tomatoes is going to give me, you know, 50 cents per pound and almonds are going to give me 350 per pound. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to the most profitable. Um, it's profitable just capital. Crop. It's capitalism. It is right. what it is. Right. And you're feeding the world. Let's be honest. The demand is there. You, nobody's going to go plant almonds <laughs> if they can't sell them. Right. There was the demand, but the pandemic kind of. Yeah. Kind well, of that's, the kibosh that's, on that. I mean, it did go from 350 a pound down to, I think it's like a buck a pound and, and there's yeah, like massive amounts of almonds that are sitting on the docks and all this kind of yes. stuff. So, so you're going to see, and, and that's the way the Valley has always been too. They, sure. you know, raisins did that in the twenties, you know, there's everybody just ran out and like, Oh my gosh, we've got to plant raisins because it's such, you know, a lucrative crop. And then olives did that. And the pistachio, it's just, we have the cyclical stuff. Wheat, this used to be the wheat Valley of the world, literally like bigger than Ukraine. And so now, you know, and then that kind of bottomed out. So 
I mean, that's a commodities thing that you see going back and forth. Sure. But the resource thing needs to be kind of regulated a little bit more. But wonderful, getting, getting back to wonderful, which is a giant corporation. Your viewers might know Palm Wonderful, Feed Water, yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? Well, so wonderful, um, especially uh, in the South Valley, got its water supplies. Uh, they own a controlling interest in the Kern Water Bank. And um, so they always had enough water to be able to sustain this, these permanent crops, except as I mentioned in 2006, the Wanger decision reduced the amount of surface water that could be coming out of the Delta. In particular, it reduced the amount of article 21 water. I hate to get into the weeds with your folks, but if you are- want to know, people need to know this, Lois, they really do. They need to understand the, the hurdles and what it's going to mean in the future. Well, I think you're going to see a, a big change because Wonderful is such a big dog. Their tail wags a lot of agriculture in California and agriculture, you know, of course, re requires water. And so, you know, there's a lot. That, so anyway, it's just interesting to watch Wonderful, I think, and all that. So, so Article 21 water was excess water on the state water project. If, if you were uh, if you're a contractor you know, you would get um, table A water. That's the name of the of the water in the in in the in your contract. But right. if there's excess water, it was called Article 21 water, and you could buy it super 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 cheap. You know, instead of you know, and 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 table A water wasn't super expensive either. It was like maybe 150 bucks an acre foot. Uh, but if you had a big year, Article 21 water was maybe 30, maybe 20 dollars an acre foot. So. Wonderful owns the Kern Water Bank, which can store a million acre feet of water um, in the ground. And so they would buy up that Article 21 water when it was available. Well, Article 21 water is no longer available. So now what you're seeing is you're seeing Wonderful having to go out onto and make deals. Um, I just saw, I was just watching the Kern County Water Agency meeting yesterday, and there were all these transfers that they were um, having to approve to um, several water districts that basically wonderful was, you know, the main um, grower in those water districts. And it was, you know, 7,000 acre feet here, 750 acre feet there, blah, blah, blah. So I started asking like, well, how much, how much, you know, are, are you guys bu buying that water for? Because these water districts are all public, like $750 an acre foot. So, you know, who has money to buy $750 an acre foot water? And that's wonderful. So anyway, so I think you're going to see a lot, a big change in what the, what the crop plantings are going to be in, in California and in the San Joaquin Valley. And then that's going to make a big change in what kind of water is going to be needed when. Yeah. Well, look, at the end of the day, we still got, you know, there's 40 million people here that want water, right? We're not going to survive without it. And as you said earlier, I don't know, I don't know what drought year this truly is. I, year 23, 24, I think it all right kind of runs together at this point. But here's a big pie in the sky question as we kind of wind down our time to get a little bit. Could we run out of water in this state? No. I mean, could, we could we really start to see people not turning on the taps and seeing water, do you think? Oh, well, we've already seen that. Like I said, some places. Yeah, but in, a big, but, in a much bigger but in a much bigger scale. No, no, that's not going to happen on a huge scale. I mean, it, well, okay. I guess if we didn't get any water between now and three years from now, literally no water. Like it, it did not rain. Yeah, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have problems, but yeah, it, that's not gonna that's not realistic. <laughs> no, but it's but you know, but but and the reason I ask that question is as we've talked about all the stuff, people need to be thinking that you know, yes, it's not realistic, but it's not 
it's not an unfair question to ask at the, at the pace that we're going at the pace that, you know, population growth uh, and all the industries are going at as well. well yeah, I, I don't an, disagree. It's not an unfair question to ask. Again, this is my point regionally. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Good point. Thank and, you. And let me, let me just, let me just prep it. Let me just go back a second to what I was talking about with wonderful buying all that water and someone selling that water. So obviously somebody has water to sell. They don't right. need it. So they're selling it and they're selling it at a massive profit. So that's what you need to look into. I mean, it's, you've got to pull up the linoleum and see what's going on underneath there. And you know, to really understand what our water situation is. Yeah, Again, 100% agree. I will continue to say it's a regional thing. We yeah, it, yeah, you're right. Place. Yeah, I, I agree. So final question I'm going to throw at you today at our time. If you had the, you know, had your magic wand, how do we solve all these issues? Give me the magic wand synopsis. <laughs> um, I would like to see us solve it locally, region by region. And Sigma is attempting to do that, but it is so dominated by agricultural water districts and seems so complicated that you're not getting the, um, you're not getting the little towns and the big towns and the commercial organizations to be party to it, to understand that what happens with our groundwater in the San Joaquin Valley is extremely important. And it also, it, it has to do with surface water too. You know, we like to, there's um, in fact, legally in California, the two are, are handled separately, but it's kind of silly because what comes out of the sky, you know, comes down the rivers also affects what's underground as well. It's all sure. the same system. So I would like to see us solve stuff regionally and figure out like, you know, how much we can sustain just on our regional supplies and then figure out, okay, well, how much do we really need? to bring from another watershed to continue our, our lifestyle and continue, you know, to grow a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I just think it. that, I think that rules coming from on high haven't worked out very well. They have not. And let's be really honest. They have not. And the key word in what you just said was solve, right? Solve the problem, right? Don't just, just don't say, this is what we got to do. Here's, here's, here's what it is. Y'all got to do this. Because that doesn't win the day. It just creates more problems. It's more bureaucracy. It's just more BS that we're having to fight through. Here's the issue. Solve it. Get to the tag, to your point. Get down to the get down to the weeds and solve it. Regionally, I love the idea, right? I think that everybody's got a different need. The needs in Los Angeles are not the needs in Fresno County, right? They're not. But th and we can't treat them the same. We need to be working on this. And then, you know, as unify together as the best we can and respect natural resources, respect Mother Nature, all the things that we need to do. I love it. I knew this was going to be a great, I knew this was going to be a great conversation. I really did. And I appreciate you being here today. All right. Well, I, I hope I didn't get too far into the weeds. Shit, no, I think it's great. People need to understand the reality of what water is like here in the state of California and, and recognize that climate change and rain is not really, they're great words, but they're not, they're just a small part of the issues that we have here. And we need to recognize that and we need to do something about it as a state. And that's, you know, how you vote, how you participate, get involved, get involved locally, start to understand the issues of your community. Because no homeowner wants to see their landscape, no homeowner wants to see the value of their property go down because they can't keep up with stuff. I mean, look at, you know, LA County's not gonna let it happen. Like I said, the celebrities are getting fined. They don't give a rip. They're not gonna have brown lawns. You know, they wanna have a place they can, you know, do their thing and I get it. 
So we just need to come together and unify. And so I appreciate you very much for being here. Please come back. I'd love to have you come back. Keep talking about these issues. I think folks are going to dig this episode. You know, I really do. So it's an open invitation. <laughs> All right. Well, and you can always read sjvwater.org if you want I was to just, the, the nitty grittiest of, of the nitties. <laughs> well, and people do. And I was going to, I was going to plug it too. sjvwater.org. Get online, subscribe, get the newsletter. It's a great read. It pops into my inbox. Check it out. It's really worthwhile. If you want to know what's going on, people like those are the ones you got to lean into to find out what's really going on. And so I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you very much again. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to do this again. Water's going to be a topic we're going to keep talking about. Lois kind of nodded, said she's coming back. I'll get her to come back. I'll buy her a cocktail. I'm going to get her to come back, I promise. And we're going to talk more about water in the upcoming uh, months ahead and keep this conversation rolling. We appreciate you being here. Remember, check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversations. That's where all the cool kids are. That's where we hang out. And we appreciate you being here. And we'll see you next time. Lois, I appreciate you very much. Thanks for being here. I really mean it. All right. Thanks, Todd. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.